Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Komen, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, Renee. Welcome to phase one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, get in, let's get right into that because I'm yes. familiar with phase four, but let's get into phase one. Well, phase one to me seems like DEFCON one, if you ask me. Okay. I don't know. Um, no, our city, you know, this is all we've been talking about for the last few shows and everyone's talking about it, the world's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, our city now is opening up as of tomorrow, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. It's a, it's a, a phased opening, as you said. Right. It's a, yeah, it's a phase opening. Some things can open, some things can't. Some things can open certain ways. And, you know, um, I guess it's all good for people who need to get out and stuff uh, and, and for businesses and things like that. But I, I've been enjoying this whole uh, quarantine. In fact, I think about uh, f- a month ago, I said I, I'd gained like uh, uh, 10 pounds. Okay. Is that true? Yeah. Are yeah. You still- and, and- yeah, and I've gained even more. I, 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 when this all started, I gained. I was 138 pounds. Now I'm like 170 pounds. Wow, man! I gained 30 pounds through all and you, this. And you have a kind of a slight frame too, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm a little guy too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm, uh, I'm hoping to get. I'm, I'm enjoying it though. I'm hoping to get like uh, uh, Terry Jones in the Meaning of Life, where he has one more wafer thin mint, and then he just explodes. Right. Yes, I remember that scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. You know, wow, just okay. one more wafer thin mint, sir, and <laughs> I'll just explode. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy going nuts. What's happening? Uh, what's going on with you? Oh, you know, just uh, you know, if you recall in our last episode, I was a little bit agitated, and, and I, right, I, yeah, and I kind of calmed down. You know, we had the the. Chuck Prophet, I always find him kind of uplifting personality, you know, and I felt better as the, as the show went on. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been kind of touch and go this week. You know, I think I'm, it, I, I think it's the lack of structure is starting to get to me because, you know, I, I don't have like a normal job really, you know, I play music jobs or I, I did play music jobs when there were places to play them. And then I did a whole bunch of other things, you know, I had some property management that I was doing and, but, but I was able to create a structure for myself where I always had the next thing I had to do. And then I filled that in with things that I wanted to do. Right. So now yeah. I just, go ahead. No, well, I, you know, I've been fortunate to be working for the last month. I, uh, even though it's limited hours, it's still some kind of structure. And looking for structure, I, I think uh, that's what most people are looking for during this time. Now I'm hearing uh, a lot of sound on somebody's point. Is someone uh, is someone uh, doing someone's their taxes or something? unwrapping a candy bar? I think it sounds like. Is that okay. you? Our guest? No, I, I'm sorry. That's me. I'm I was crumpling up a piece of paper and I was trying to do it very quietly and I, obviously <laughs> I failed. Yeah, yeah, it's not working. Let's hold <laughs> off on all paper crumpling till after I'm, the show. <laughs> uh, okay, I apologize. Unless it's really urgent. <laughs> okay, go on, Manny. No, well, no, like I'm just agreeing with you in many ways. I mean, I, my, I, I'm not working nine to five. I'm working like nine to three shift, which is mm-hmm. giving me some structure. But then I get home around 3.15 and I, I just lay in bed, you know, staring at the ceiling, you know, going, yeah. there's got to be something I can do, you know. Right. And uh, then I look at my backyard. I go, well, there's plenty of things in the backyard to do. And I go back there and I start doing them and I go, eh, I can go back to bed. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but, you um, see, I don't do well in, in that kind of uh, environment, man. It's you know because I have a lot of nervous energy I have to put somewhere, you know. And if I don't have somewhere to put it, then it just it folds well, back on me, you know. It's all just me being, you know, anxious. And 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 I'm not normally an anxious person. I'm tightly wound, but I usually am able to channel it somewhere. Well, I think you're like me in many ways. Um, um, there's, I think, from an old Woody Allen film, he says, uh, you know, we're like a shark. A shark has to keep going forward. If they don't go forward, they die. Yes. The shark is constantly swimming forward. Yes. And, and I think that's true with a lot of people and, and like relationships. And that's what he meant about was, was, was relationships. It's got to keep moving or it dies. Right. And uh, so I think you're that way. and I'm that way, too. I need to have something to do, even though I don't want to leave the house to do it. So I'm more than happy just to just sit in my room and, and do it. I, and you're probably more a little wound up in that way than, than me. But anyway, um, you know, um, with this Corona thing going on still uh, and the reopening, but I realized that during the whole quarantine, that be, everything shut down, that um, uh, I missed a lot of appointments, you know, a lot of oh. appointments that were uh, made for me. Uh, and of course no one ever called me to say that they were canceled. So I was thinking that they still happened, but I never went out to deal with them. Uh, I had, um, um, a, uh, uh, you know, I had a, uh, eye appointment, uh, just a, a couple of days ago that I never went to for my, you know, I, I've been diagnosed with glaucoma. Right. You know? right I remember that. And they, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they wanted to do a special test to see how bad it was. Well, mm -hmm. of course they're not open. And right. so that, that was, a, that was um, um, canceled. And then I also had a, another appointment to see a periodontist for my bleeding gums. Okay, many and, problems. Many problems yeah. in the head area, the head yeah. and neck area. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that would never happen because of the whole quarantine and stuff like that. And then also um, uh, I had an appointment for my annual, my annual physical with our, with our with staff, staff physician. physician. Right, right, yes. right, right. Um, and he actually called me back and I He's said, very good well, in that way. He's very, very yeah. attentive. Yes. Yeah. And I, and he said, well, I, you know, you can't do the physical. And I said, okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I don't have, you know, it's all good and stuff, but uh, I saw. So I, I you were going to say he sent you a glove in the mail? No, 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 okay. no, right. no. It's even better than that. Uh, okay. Uh, he said to give myself, give give uh, uh, myself uh, my own physical. Okay. So I, uh, <laughs> I I got some. Uh, he said I'm way ahead of you. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, I grabbed my own balls and coughed. Okay. And um, and then I tried to give my own prostate exam. Right, which which didn't go well at all. No, well. <laughs> a little too rough. A little yeah. rough well, I, I, you know, I had to lay on the bed and and and, and I had some gloves and, uh, and and actually to tell you the truth, I didn't know what I was looking for. Sure, sure, you're not you're not <laughs> trained. You don't have the you have yeah. training, but not that kind of training. Right, yeah, and uh, so I, I don't know what the prognosis is. I guess I'm physically okay, uh, but it was good to hear his voice and to yes. say, go ahead and do it. You know. Uh-huh. He has a yeah. calming presence. I, I like that. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a he good is a good guy. guy. I can't wait yeah. to see him again. My I think my my annual is supposed to be uh in the fall. We'll see uh we'll see if we can have what kind of contact, what phase we're in at that point. Right. And the thing was is for years I never knew why 
he grabbed my balls and told me to cough. Mm-hmm. I never knew what the reason. And I, 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 I realize it's because he's looking for hernias or something. Right. Yes. Yes. It's yes. a hernia check. Yeah, it's a hernia check. So uh, I don't know. I think I might have a slight hernia. I, really? I have no idea. Huh. But it's 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 all good, as they say. I feel okay. Uh, I'm on my third cocktail tonight. Okay, well, my getting wife a little, getting a little yeah. jump on it. Yeah, and, and my wife just made a really great dinner, so uh, I, I I'm I feel good. Except, good. you know what I was thinking about, Renee? Hmm. Um, what do uh, you always hear about the midlife crisis? People mm-hmm. having their midlife crisis. Sure. And uh, I'm thinking to myself the other day. You know, during this whole uh, COVID quarantine, what are people doing, you know, to deal with their midlife crisis? Hmm. And me, I felt I was going through one because I was actually thinking of buying like a uh, convertible or a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that. But then I decided during the quarantine, uh, um, instead of a motorcycle, I got one of those Roomba vacuum cleaners. Okay. (laughs) It's safer, much safer than a motorcycle. Yeah, and it it, it serves a purpose because I'm pretty much the only one who cleans in this house. Right. You know, so um, that's what's been going on there. And other than have that, you, have you have you taken the, the the Roomba out for a spin? Can you can you still can it can you sit on it or stand on it while it? No, I can't stand on it, but I could just I just watch it terrorize the cat. Oh yes, I, I bet that is entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the most entertaining thing really about the whole thing. Because I know you're not crazy about the cat. No, uh, no, I'm not. Or yeah. any animal, any yes. domesticated animal. You know, I'm not right, crazy right, about right. it at all. Right. Recurring you know, thing. Yeah. So, uh, listen. You know, I don't know if we mentioned this to the nation. Uh, I don't think we have. But you know, um, about a month ago, a tree fell on my house. Uh, we have not mentioned it to the nation. I was, I was, I didn't want to divulge the secret. You know, I, I knew, but I figured I, that was your, your. Uh, uh, purview. So, so well, I, I didn't want to say anything until the you know everything was all done and stuff. So okay. basically, my house is back to normal. They fixed everything. Oh, terrific, man! I had a you, know, you saw it. I had a huge pine tree drop on um, my bedroom roof and it it go was, through our ceiling. It was a shocking event. It was. Can I can I give a little bit of a, a sure. background for it? Sure. So it was a night where they predicted terrible storms. Uh, coming through the the region. Um, At about 10 o'clock, it rained for about 30 seconds at my house. And there was a a slight rustling of wind. And then that was it. So I thought, well, that was really kind of a a washout or a shoo-shoo, we used to call it in the the fireworks game. Um, Turns out you had through your neighborhood, which, which what must have been tornadic winds yes because i saw the the tree and there was a giant pine tree in your neighbor's yard that was snapped like a toothpick like not splintered and split but like broken off as if a giant had just snapped it between his fingertips and it lifted it up and slammed it upside down into the roof of your house yeah 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 That's that's a very good description yes um, and, um, yeah, so we had damage on this bedroom, the bat, the master bathroom and into our attic and mm. it's all fixed now. It's all that's, fixed. It's, that's it's that's great, man. Yeah, yeah. They had to do a Herculean job to, uh, 
to extract that pine tree first, and then you then you had a bunch of uh, carpentry work, and that, that had to be addressed after that. Well, it's funny. The tree company that came to remove the tree off our roof and the whole tree itself from the other property, um, they had to have this huge crane park on the street because we live in a shotguns area, so they couldn't get like the machinery between the houses, so they right. had to come to the street and with these cranes. And I wasn't there, but my wife says when the job was done, all the neighbors on our street came out and gave the tree people a standing ovation. Wow. <laughs> Can you believe it? They were just impressed at the, the engineering of it all. Yeah. And they were just impressed on how they did it. And this was a, this was a husband and wife team. Really? And with another guy, like a, like a cousin. Kind of a three-way. Yeah, well, yeah. If you want to go there, sure. Okay, yeah. sure. I don't know. <laughs> it was a three. So, but the funniest thing is, I mean, you know, what happens with that kind of stuff happens, you have to deal with insurance companies. Right. You know, and they call it an act of God. So yes. insurance companies battle over how much they want to pay, blah, blah, blah. So the agent came to our house. Fortunately, I was home at the time. And he's talking this, he's saying this, he's saying this. And I keep smacking my lips. I go... And he goes, why are you smacking your lips? I say, I like to get kissed when I'm getting fucked. <laughs> because they were trying to fuck us, basically, like they do. Yeah. You yeah. know, like they do. But um, so it's all good. Um, nice. In fact, um, I'm very happy. Um, you know, I get, I, you know, there's no hole. You saw, you saw the, that huge freaking branch. Yeah, yeah, the, through the roof and then into your bedroom. Yeah, yeah. into the bedroom, you know. Crazy. But the one thing I do miss is this, the smell of pine. I yeah, yeah, it was, it was very, very... Uh, uh, <laughs> fragrant, uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Fragrant and, and uh, yeah, like springtime or something. Yeah, you know? it was very... It <laughs> was Irish very, spring kind of vibe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was nice to have that for a couple weeks. But, oh, cool. you know, life goes on, we move on, and it, it, it keeps me troubled constantly. I just yes. keep looking at the... You know, I have a couple other palm trees by the rear of my house. These are right. palm trees. I keep looking at them going, oh, fuck. Because they're going to be next, yes. Yeah. We, we determine that, that the, those are not long for this world either. Right, right. exactly. Right. Know, so. Well, well when, when that, that tragedy happens, you know, we can, it'll be more fuel for the fire of the Trouble Men podcast. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Well, yeah. you know, we, we've, uh, I could talk for you with you for another hour, of course, and I will, but let's get our guest involved in this. Yes. Uh, he's, he's an exciting guy. He's got a lot of things going on. Um, you know, like many people in New Orleans, he's a native New Orleanian. And uh, turns out he and I, although we've only met one or two times and been around each other a couple of times, uh, upon doing research, I realized that we have about five or six points of, of connection between us. So we'll, oh. we'll get into all of those. So, uh, yes. You he, and Kevin Bacon. You and Kevin Bacon. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody else in New Orleans. Um, so, so he's, uh, He's the, the editor-in-chief of Anti-Gravity Magazine here in New Orleans, which is a terrific uh, monthly kind of music, culture, uh, politics magazine. It's kind of writer-driven. Um, it's been going on for, for many years. He started off as, a, as a, a contributor in 2004 and kind of became an editor later on. He wound up uh, in 2015 becoming the editor-in-chief, and he's the publisher of it. Um, he's done a whole bunch of other things. We'll get into all of that. But without further ado, welcome, Mr. Dan Fox. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. I'm really honored to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Well, you should be. No, No, I am. I'm in great company. I've seen your past uh, catalog, and it's quite impressive. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, Dan, just just, uh, full disclosure, when I, uh, I've had your name on the list for some time and, and finally, you know, I'm always looking, I'm trying to curate it, trying to figure out, you know, how can I get people that aren't guitar players on the show? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you fell into that category. Turns out, Manny, that, uh, that in anti-gravity, uh, printed a plug, a, a little, you know, a little small feature on Trouble Men podcast in their, in the April issue where they, they mentioned us and, and gave us a plug. And so thank you for that, Dan. But I was totally oh. unaware of that when I contacted you. Oh, well, um, yeah, Danielle Dietz. Uh, she did a little write-up uh, on y'all. You know, we, we did like a thing where it was like, because the, the quarantine was real fresh. So it's like, this was just kind of an, a curated anti-gravity, like writer, contributor, like what do we like? What what might keep you busy during mm-hmm. this time? And and Danielle, you know, we did a, a handful of podcast albums, YouTube, uh, wormholes that she could go down and like uh, cheap online video games. And yeah, uh, amongst that was the Troubled Men podcast. So, well, nice. Or, Thank you. That's that great. Oh, I didn't have anything to do with it other than publishing it. I mean, I didn't like direct that. So, I mean. And who, who did this? Danielle who? Danielle Dietz. She uh, runs the White Roach Record Store. And um, yes. she also did the... Uh, Alex Chilton sort of 10 year retrospective. I think Renee, you were, you had some quotes in right. that. She, she, she spoke to me for that, but she's a, she does a lot of music articles and uh, you know, she, so uh, you know, you're, I was saying your content is very writer driven and you have a lot of great writers that uh, you know, pitch ideas to you and you, you know, you just, you kind of curate the whole thing and you know, the anti-gravity does have a, an interesting point of view that, that it winds up having to me. It's, it's, it's a uh, cast kind of a, a loving, but skeptical eye on a lot of new Orleans culture. You know, you're, it's a, a, a bit of a challenge to some of the, the Tennessee Williams, Truman Capote hype that, uh, you know, a lot of people will buy into and, yeah. you know, it's, it's legitimate, but uh, you know, it, it, it could use a, a, a you know, a critical eye at times. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always love, but you know, sometimes it's tough love, you know, yes. but it, 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 everything, <laughs> everything that we publish does come from a place of like love and, you know, trying to like be constructive and, you know, and, but, but it also means like trying to respect like our audience and to respect an audience doesn't mean you always like give them what you think they want. You know, we just try to make it good and interesting and, you know, if it makes you mad, well, fine. You know, that's okay. You know, you, if you read it, that's all. That's all I care about. It's like, right. did you read it? Did you have some thoughts, some feelings? Did it churn some stuff up in your brain, good or bad? Then you know, that's great. Mission accomplished. So, Dan, uh, if I remember correctly, your anti gravity was a, a freebie, right? You would just find it at record stores, or yeah, yeah, it's just your classic free monthly, like rag, you know, right. Culture. Because I used to see it at uh, the NOAC, hmm. where I'm a, I'm a member there at the NOAC. Okay. I, I saw it there for a while, and I'll never forget one time I was just leaving the NOAC, and somebody was delivering it to, to the NOACs, some of the freebies, and he, rec- he knew who I was. Hmm. And he says, why don't you write for us? 
Hmm. And I said, okay, who do I get in touch with? And he told me a name I can't remember, but I thought about it. I looked at the issue and I said, well, you know what? I would love to write for this, but I could probably get one article a year maybe, you know? Hmm. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't be a weekly guy, you know, or a monthly guy. I don't know how, what is your, a bi-weekly or a monthly, Matt? We, we come out at the top of every month. Okay, okay. But, you, have you know, kind of a, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, the way we operate, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's, it, people just sort of come and go. We have people who just like, you know, contribute reliably every month. We have people who might turn in like one or two features a year. We, you know, yeah. it's sort of like, sometimes I compare it to like having a bunch of feral cats and it's like, oh, here comes Whiskers around and like <laughs> Whiskers has a dead mouse for us and then Whiskers disappears for half a year. But I know that Whiskers is out there. So it's like a lot of our riders are like that. Like I know they're out there and they'll come back when they have something and when they don't, they're like free to kind of do whatever they want in the world. Right on, right on. Well, so... So, uh, Dan, as I said, you, you grew up in New Orleans. One thing sure I did. don't know is what uh, what neighborhood did you grow up in? So I grew up on uh, Lower Line Street in the Carrollton area. Oh, yeah, right in my neighborhood. Yeah, so just like kind of a block away from Lusher. Spent my oh, whole life right there till, you know, uh, until uh, I graduated high school. Well, so and so that's one of our first connections is that we graduated from the same high school. Uh, you're much younger than I am, but you're a Ben Franklin graduate as well. I am. I mean, I'm Franklin Anoka. I mean, I sort of like I, I would fly my Noka flag before Franklin, but yeah, I okay. did graduate from both of those places in '96. Well, I, I went to Noka as well, and I'm guessing that so you you went to Noka in the creative writing program. I did. And did did you study with uh, Brad Richard there? I did. So yeah, Brad Richard and Ann Gislason were my teachers, and then oh, okay. I had one, I, I had one year with Tom Whalen, who founded the program. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I graduated from Franklin with Brad Richard, or, oh, or a year cool. a year ahead of him. He's he's a year behind me, but uh, okay, right I, on. I knew Brad, and you actually graduated from Franklin with my sister, as it turns okay. out. <laughs> Who, who's your sister? Uh, um, you probably don't know her. You know, she was she was there. She was not at Noka, but uh, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time at Franklin. It, I mean, it's right. fine school, but I I didn't it, it 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 you know when I went there, it was like the UNO campus, and it was right. very like tame, very vanilla, very like mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so I, yeah, I, it's not like I was hanging out there a whole lot. Right, so you right. live on Lower Line. You grew up on Lower Line. Did you? Um, uh, when did you move out of that neighborhood? Well, my my dad. It's funny. Like I graduated in '96. My dad graduated from college about the same time because okay. he was a college dropout, I guess. And so he was going to school basically my entire childhood because he worked at UNO and would take like one or two classes a semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he finally got his bachelor's, which gave him the opportunity to get a better job, which was in Mississippi. So my parents sold our house on Lower Line, uh, w- which ha- coincided with me graduating from high school. So uh, I, li- I lived out my summer uh, after high school on Lower Line Street, went to Baltimore for a year. The house was sold. 
So every time I came back to New Orleans, I would just stay at my grandparents' house and they lived on Broadway. Um, And so I just would kind of like, and then I just always lived either somewhere kind of uptown or kind of, I've always had to live kind of close to the river. So I've, I've lived in the Irish Channel, Lower Garden District. Because um, uh, one of our mm-hmm. past guests uh, uh, and Snake and Jake's owner, Dave Clements, lives love on Dave. Lower Line. Okay. Yeah, Dave's great. I yeah, he Dave. lives right there on Lower Line by Lusher. I don't know if, yeah, I guess I don't know if you were neighbors or anything like uh, that. I don't think time. so. Okay. But you were right in the neighborhood there. Yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, uh, so, so an, an, another connection that, that we have, well, uh, sorry, I'm, 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 my mind's going in a million directions. Oh, Renee, uh, get it together. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, man. I got so many notes in front of me here. Um, so you are what, what are, are someone would call a multidisciplinarian, because not only are you a, a writer and you have this, this, uh, this magazine that you publish and you're, and you, you're the editor of, uh, you you've worked in the movie business for for many years, right? Yeah, since two thousand one. That's that's what's put a roof over my head uh, for most of my adult life. Right on. And you work uh, doing uh, set decoration and 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 procuring uh, those that material and stuff. So yeah, go ahead. So yes, I saw can, that. Can confirm. I, so I saw that and I was like, hmm, I wonder if he knows my good friend Scott Ploche. <laughs> so today. So I graduated from Franklin with Scott Ploche, and he's a former oh, wow. guest of the podcast. And I said, huh. I texted him. I said, do you know Dan Fox? He goes, yeah, I do know Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I know fan. Scott. Yeah. I, uh, I hope uh, – I know. yeah, I know Scott. I hope – you know, I, it's funny. When I got into the business, I, I have a – because there's like any other kind of uh, scene or like community of people there's like little mini generations of people right. and i i was part of this wave of generation of film worker that came in it's like i think there was a crew of people like in the 80s and and early 90s before the real boom started mm-hmm. and i think scott is part of that sort of like yes what i would might i would call like a og crew like he i don't know if he worked on like miller's crossing and hard target, but he, I, he, I, he did work on Miller's crossing for sure. Yeah. I'm sure he was like around. And then, so I was like the young, like punk crowd. Yeah. Like I was like the younger generation that came in like late, I guess early two thousands. And I, I think it probably took his gener many generation, a long time to warm up to like our like generation of up and comers. Okay. You know, so I, I've, I hope I eventually, uh, won a bit of his respect. <laughs> yes, yes. I, he, he, I, I could tell we were only texting, but I could tell he had a, had a, uh, he was kindly disposed towards you. Okay, good, good. Yes, absolutely. Are you He's still a pro. in the film He's business? Uh, not currently. <laughs> yeah. You were before it all stopped? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I I was actually I, about to start, um, I was about to start a movie, um, and they were like, oh, no, we're, it's still going to happen. They, they really want it to happen. And I was like, no, there's no way. Cause this was like early March. Mm-hmm. But are, are you a union? Yes. Yep. Okay. So I heard cause my brother-in-law uh, is with IATSE and he's a scenic painter guy. And I heard that the unions are helping out people who are in the film industry, who are the union members who, um, 
or collecting unemployment, you know, everyone's getting six hundred dollars, and and they're actually giving, they're adding another two hundred dollars to it. Hmm. Are are you part of that? Do you know anything about that? I don't know anything about that. Well, you I should won't. check your union because that's what I heard just the other day that the union is going to match the unemployment checks with two hundred dollars extra. Hmm. Okay, so that two hundred dollars could buy, you know, you know, a lot of. Uh, much I'll have stuff. to look into that. Although I'm not claiming unemployment right now, I kind of oh, have not? my I have my own my own uh, uh, side hustle uh, pandemic plan oh, right okay. now. Yeah, Are you no. I, flaca? Are you selling flaca? No, uh, we're actually, buying. I actually got <laughs> a job uh, during the quarantine. I started working back again at Stein's uh, Market in Delhi because I have kind of a long and very uh, complex history with that place hmm. um and it, it uh, when the whole quarantine thing started it, it 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 was kind of a thing where i felt the need to like jump in and help like them sort of figure out how to operate okay uh, so when so, you say long and complex history does that yeah. mean you you've spit in the food and been fired before and they just kicked you back because they need no, you? No, I would never spit in anyone's food and I wouldn't even joke about that, okay, to be well. honest with you. But um, no, I started working there. No, I started going there as a customer, you know, on film work because the person that was my like immediate supervisor, the set decorator, he would want to start the day there because that's a great place to like start your day if you want a coffee, a, like really good coffee and you know, bagel, cream cheese, whatever. So we would like have our meeting there every right. day. So I was like a regular. And then at some point, and then at some point, cause the movie industry is very, uh, it's very like uh, feast or famine. So, you know, you'll work your ass off for like a year straight and then you'll be unemployed for six months. Yeah, I know. I used to work in the film industry yeah. in the eighties. So um, at one point I, I was working there and I, I think I was working there when I had kind of like a like a lost sort of bachelory period, you know. So right. I was like your typical like service industry, like you know, work hard, party hard, you know. And then I kind of got back into the film business, but you know, and, and then I've like, I mean, Dan Stein is like a friend of mine, like you know. So I've just sort of been in the deli, either behind the counter or in front of it, for okay. like almost every day since it opened. And of course we do the ads for any gravity and like, that's a whole thing. So I've had like Dan Stein in, in my house and like my wife, Adrian, like we have these like photo shoots that are really involved and usually involve some form of dress or undress with Dan Stein. So, okay. you know, um, yeah, so that's, so that's my, that's been my quarantine plan. I'm not on unemployment. I actually like am working right now. All right. Well, I admire the, uh, the, uh, what's the word, the industry that you have there, You're, you know, because a lot of people, you know, we're all familiar with the fight or flight response mm -hmm. uh, that mammals have. But the one of them, one of those responses that usually that often gets left out is the freeze. And, and a lot of that's, that's yeah. equally uh, people go to that just as much as fight or flight as they freeze is their, their, unable to figure out the course of action so they don't do anything and it can be almost the worst of the three you know <laughs> right well that's why deers get hit on the highway right yes yes exactly so so i, I you know I, I i admire that you uh you you have the fight still in you you know 
now. That's, that's so, Dan, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Um, what, what, what's more of your passion? Is it, it film or is it the magazine? Oh, I mean, it's it's definitely the magazine. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. That's the, like the movie business is cool. It's fun. It's it can be like interesting and it pays really well, of course. And the there's benefits and it, it is a, it's a union job. And it's like it's like the last American industry standing. You know, it's like the last thing that that we can actually make here in this country that the rest of the world wants to buy, you know, um, and it. I do respect it and appreciate it, but like, uh, the magazine is like my life. I mean, that's what I've devoted, like a disproportionate amount of my efforts and just, you know, like I, I'll work a day on a movie and then I'll come home and I'll just sit in front of the computer for another four or five hours doing emails and editing and layout and you know, checking in with advertisers and stuff. I mean, that's yes. that's like a 24-7 situation. It's got to be, man, because you're a writer at heart. That's, you know, you're, you're such a good writer. I've, I've read a bunch of your of, of, of your writing in the last week preparing for this. And, and uh, no, no. Quite yeah, Renee good. does his homework. Well, and I appreciate you know, that. I mean, it's the thing I've been doing <laughs> the longest, you know. it's. It, I mean, ever since I was a kid, it's, you know, and I've – I've tried to get away from it because it's not very much fun to write, but it just seems to be the thing that uh, I know the best. So it's a calling, Dan. Just like it's yeah. like like playing music. It's or the priesthood. It's something. <laughs> it's something you do because you can't not do it. You know. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. yeah it's not really a choice. The, I think with the priesthood, there's ulterior motives to doing it. It could be, could be, could be some, yeah, uh, you know, again, something you do because you can't not do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It falls into that category as well. Like um, not, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, so, and, and this gets me to, to another thing that I, that I discovered about you. And that's one of the fun, fun things about doing the podcast is I always discover some people I know very well, I'll still discover things about them, but I ran across this article that you wrote for uh, the Iron Lattice. You didn't write it for oh, them, yeah. it was published by yeah. them. It was, it was uh, Reasons Why New Orleans is the Worst Place Ever. Oh, yeah. And I thought, well, Manny is going to love this because <laughs> that's right up Manny's alley. But again, mm -hmm. it's something, and I'll let you tell the story, but but just to, to set it up, to tee it up, uh, it there was a uh, an open call sort of for people to write um, lovingly critical uh, uh articles about their hometown, I guess, or, or a town that was put out there and you chose, you know, of course, New Orleans and you did a submission uh, and you wrote this and t tell us that story. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the story goes that uh, Vice Magazine had this series a long time ago. It was like reasons why X city is the worst place ever. And I think they did like Paris and Austin and Las Vegas, you know, they, they, they were, you could tell that they were like, going through the like the rounds like they were going through all these like regional places mm. and i was like if somebody else writes the new orleans entry and it's not me like i'm gonna be super pissed because right. like <laughs> they're gonna fuck it up you right? know yes um so i felt compelled so, and and uh i was actually this was when i was uh tour managing uh hooray for the riffraff you know this is like probably 2014 2015 um, mm -hmm. 
and I just, you know, a lot of things that I write come, they, it's like, it's painful and long and it goes through many edits and like many diversions. And this thing just kind of came out of me in like one fevered sitting, like in a hotel <laughs> lobby somewhere. And it just, nice. it just all came out like, just in like, I mean, it still went through a couple of rounds of, you know, edits and stuff, but like, uh, it just it came out of me. It was me. a convulsive, uh, experience. Yes. Yeah. I understand. And, right. it, it, and it was pretty much done. And so I wrote it and I submitted it and I was working with an editor at Vice and like they were kind of helping me like trim it up and stuff. And then I uh, never heard from them ever again. <laughs> and I, I think they killed the series because uh, they never did another like why such and so a place is the worst thing place ever. Uh -huh. uh, well, can um, you share some of the some of it? You know, why it's bad? Yeah, why sure. Um, I mean, I'd have to. Uh, you know, I well, think, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I was, uh, I have a little bit of notes. So, so Dan went through, uh, you know, like all the things that, that a local would challenge someone from out of town. Who's going to tell, you know, people from out of town will tell a local what's great about new Orleans, <laughs> like, you know, bourbon street or Mardi Gras or new Orleans music, or, you know, the bar stool culture. And, and Dan goes through very, uh, you know. Wait, actually have, okay, so I, I found my copy. Okay. Um, yeah, so I like, I wrote a paragraph about New Orleans music and how like kind of dead it is in terms of like, um, it's like uh, not that Rebirth sucks, but like do what you wanna. It's like, we've all heard it a million times and like, um, it's kind of like the theme song to like Tulane graduates and so as a, the thing I wrote was um, consider a scene where a dozen or so horn players cycle through the same tune, usually a variation of rebirths, do what you want to looking pretty bored, waiting for the payout while a crowd of affluent Tulane grads and Treme riders slum it up in sandals and tie dyes. That's kind of a juicy little morsel from that. Yes, um, yes that's a powerful nugget there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and again, it all came from love, you know, because that's the thing is like I, I, I was going to be damned if somebody else was going to write this, you know, like if it was going to be a takedown published by Vice by somebody who had like just moved here, like, right. you know, post Katrina or post 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 Katrina. Right. So I feel like I had to get in there first, you know, with my take. Um, Excellent. Yeah, that, that's hilarious. Yeah. No, no, that's why I sent that to you, man, because I was like, oh, this is right up Manny Valley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still, I wasn't, a, I haven't been able to look at it because I didn't have time to try to open up the new thing. But anyway, right, yeah, right. that sounds brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with you, man. I mean, I work at Tulane, so I, I understand totally what you're com where you're coming from when you say that because these fucking privileged little kids and stuff like that think that, you know, they think this, they think they know this city, you know. But yeah, well, that's. There's always been that version, you know, there's always, there's that sort of canned version of New Orleans that's been peddled since I've been alive, you know, which, right. um, I mean, we could get into that. I mean, that's kind of why any gravity even exists because, um, that was never, a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of New Orleans culture that I respect. I understand like the institutional, like how profound and global and, 
you know, influence influencing it's been. But when I was in high school, I didn't care about any of that shit. You know, I was like in the punk rock and stuff. And right. I was having my mind blown by that kind of thing. And nobody mm-hmm. seemed to care in the established media world. So um, when anti-gravity was started, not by me, but, I, you know, I was sympathetic. I was like, oh, OK, finally, we can talk about some things that like matter to like my friends, you know, and the things that I've experienced as a New Orleanian you know, growing up, right. Just, you know, there, there's a certain cultural jingoism that, that, uh, you know, is embraced by, oh, yeah. by particularly people who are not from here, you know, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think that you're, you're in my, yours and, and, and my, uh, you know, skepticism about this is shared by a lot of natives, you know, mm-hmm. while, you know, a lot of, uh, transplants would would look askance at this it's like oh how can you how can you be so disrespectful it's like well no we're you know this is uh and uh yeah and that's that's like in the film industry that's something that we've all had to deal with like it's like okay the, the 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 you know the director the production designer they all come from la or new york or somewhere and like every movie you know they just want to like beat the dead horse of new orleans French Quarter Mardi Gras bullshit, you know, right. and it's like, you got to work on it. You know, it's like, you're, you know, it's like, if you're a local, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Here we go. Let's like put together the, like the Mardi Gras set, you know, right. a lot of tongue biting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of biting our tongues, Manny, uh, uh you know, um, Dan, we always take a little break in the middle of the Trouble Men podcast and we get another round. So it, it seems like a good time to do that, don't you think, man? Yeah, let's do that right now. I'm ready. Okay, so Sounds we'll just good. leave. All right. Also, so, uh, I have to pee like the Cooley Dam. So we'll be that. back in a minute. Trouble Nation, go get yourself a drink. Be right back. And we're back. Back with Mr. <sighs> Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Dan Fox. Now, Manny, uh, I understand we have a, a, a sponsor. Well, we had him for the, for the last couple of weeks, but uh, why don't you tell the Troubled Nation about uh, our new sponsor? Well, this is, this is a great new sponsor, and, and it's the yeah. Velo Bar. Velo Bar. Velo Bar. Uh, well, Renee, you had a couple of them. I've, I've uh, had more than a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stop eating them, man. <laughs> Um, the Velo Bar is a, a CBD oil protein bar, mm-hmm. and um, it it it's the perfect bar to have during the, our troubled times right now that the yes. whole world is suffering. Yes. It's a healthy protein bar that fills you up and calms you down. Boy, do I need it! What's that? I said, boy, do I need it! Yes, I don't. I don't know about you, but I think it tastes great. Sure. It has tw- 25 milligrams of CBD per bar, a perfect dose to take that edge off whatever you're, deal- whatever you're dealing with right now. Right. And who doesn't need stress relief right now? The whole goddamn world's freaking out. It's well, you know, Manny, I'll, I'll put yeah. anything in my mouth, so, so go ahead. Really? Well, I'm, I'm trying to really? help here. I'm trying to help here. Go ahead. You put anything in your mouth? Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to I'm trying to pitch in. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. I think the HBQ Quai Z community would love to hear that. Uh, it's a plant has a plant based protein bar from healthy superfood ingredients like pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, chia seeds. I mean, go to velobarcbd.com right now. Use the trouble code 
not, not, the promo code TroubledMen15 and get 15% off the bar. Wait. Or your order. Get 15% and, and off wait, the order. Is, is, the, is the shipping, how much is shipping, Manny? Shipping is free, Renee. What the fuck? <laughs> how was that possible? Well, it is possible with the Velo Bar. Okay. Velo Bar wants you to enjoy their protein CBD oil based bar. It's excellent. I mean, it is excellent. In fact, I just got an update from the Velo Bar people saying that since we've been advertising for the past three, four weeks, they've been getting orders nice. from the Troubled Nation. No shit. You, not, no, I'm not shitting you, Renee. I'm not shitting you. They've been getting orders from the Troubled Nation using the trouble, the promo code TROUBLEDMEN15 to get 15% off and free shipping. So Troubled Nation, I hope you enjoy them as much as I do because I think they're great. For a guy who's, you know, you're, you're wound up. You're wound up right now, Renee, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, and I'm, you know, I, I, I basically sit every night watching a moth die in the lamp, you know? Right. You know, you know uh, so I need that stress relief. Right. And we all do in these troubled times. So, yeah. Nation, go to go to that website, which I said was VeloBarCBD.com. Uh, Used our promo code TroubledMen15. That's 1-5. Get 15% off and free shipping. You're going to enjoy these bars. They're going to they're gonna rock your nation. They're going to rock your world. Right on. So, and, and Trouble Nation, while we're on, on, on this, uh, this little segment, you know, you can uh, support the uh, Trouble Men podcast by uh, uh, jumping on the, uh, the cocktail fund and, uh, you know, buying Manny a drink. It's right there in the, the show notes. It's, uh, it's uh, paypal.me slash Troubleman podcast. Um, that, what that, the hell is that? That dog is involved. He's I'm he's sorry. got a piece of the action, so it's okay. He's he's just trying to trying to trying to second that emotion. But uh, so yes, uh, buy Manny a drink and buy yourself one. And uh, 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 pivoting back to our, you see how I worked that word in, Manny. It's been a while. I know you love that word. I love that word. Uh, pivoting back to our guest, uh, Anti Gravity has a fantastic sponsor, which is Dynamo Toys. And oh yeah, man, have know. you seen the the ad for on on uh, on Anti Gravity magazine? It says "Ding Dong Dash," but with dildos. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic and, shop. Long overdue in this city. Long overdue. And so I think it's hilarious. I mean, if you need a dildo, you can buy one there. But if you just want to fuck somebody's life up, just start sending a bunch of dildos. <laughs> their house <laughs> yeah that's that's part of the pitch right uh I, you know honestly i don't i don't know i'd have to think about that because you know you don't want to like harass somebody with sex toys i mean dynamo is a place that celebrates sexual health and wellness and sure you know I, what's you know nothing you against wanna... dynamo toys but i mean right. you know there are certain people that that you know you might decide, you might make a decision as a, you know, as a provocateur that, uh, you know, maybe their wife might enjoy uh, asking some questions. While sure, there's some, there's some people out there who could probably use some of their wares. Or, or just the shock of having it, not, not that you would even uh, use it, just, just the shock of having it show up at your house. I consider them an essential business. 
Okay. For sure. <laughs> it's a good question these days, what's considered essential and not. But yeah, I would say for, for I would say that if you're stuck at home and you're stuck in your pod, yeah, you, uh, Dynamo would definitely be essential. And they are doing deliveries and they are a solid advertiser uh, doing the Lord's work. So uh, many kudos to them. <laughs> Speaking of doing the Lord's work. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, getting to another one of our uh, our touch points, as they say, uh, is uh, you you for a while. When I first looked you up, when I first put you in the book, mm-hmm. I, I, I looked you up and I saw that you had a connection to uh, Howard Wetzman, Doctor Howard Wetzman, the great Doctor Howard Wetzman. Yeah, he's my uncle. That's the connection. Is he really? Okay, yeah. well, talk yeah. about doing the Lord's work. Uh, yeah, 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 he's a he's a genius and revolutionary, and I wish more people would pay attention to the things he's saying because it could just totally he's saving benefit. lives. No, What's he's that? fucking sa- he's saving lives. Uh, trying to, yeah, he's trying to. You know what? Um, he likes to be called Howard. It's funny because most doctors spend their whole lives attaining that title, and they and and with and they're very much. Um, they very much have earned that title and, and who could blame you for always wanting to be called doctor if you spent right. like 10 years grueling it. But he actually likes to be called Howard because he's very much in the horizontal um, interactions with people. He What I find interesting, Dan, and I do this because I am who I am, is every time I go see a doctor, you know, my, my regular doctor or specialist or whatever, I always say doc. I always say, hey, Doc, mm-hmm. thanks to meet you, Doc, and just to get the reaction because so many of them over the years of my life, they kind of look at you and they go, get the fuck out of my office. Really? Know? They don't want to be called Doc. You know, hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. I can see that. You know, it's weird. It's weird. And I appreciate your friend just wants to be called by his first name. Okay, fine. You know, there's people who want to be called Doctor, you know, but I – why should I call you a doctor? Well, I mean, Why his thing is by your first name. If you're the doctor, it's like you have to do what they say to do because they're the doctor. But with Howard, it's like he suggests things, and if if you can come to that, if you can come to what he's trying to tell you on your own terms, because you're just talking to a guy named Howard, you know, who might have something to offer, you know, who might have some insight and some yeah. professional. You know that that's good, but it's not like do what I say because I'm the doctor. Well, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. It's like, okay, you're a doctor, but you know, come down to my level too. You know, I'm feeling this pain. I'm feeling this pain. Um, can I just call you Howard? You know, <laughs> I well, mean, that's yeah. You know, so so just to, this, this actually came up in the uh, the Chris Rose episode, Manny. I'm not sure if you huh. remember all the details of the Chris Rose episode, but we we started touching on the the uh, you know, like medically based recovery versus abstinence based recovery during the Chris Rose episode, huh. and and that's the whole crux of of uh, of Dr. Wetzman, Dr. Howard Wetzman's thing is, look, if if you if you had a patient who was a diabetic you wouldn't tell them to just think about having lower blood sugar and really try to have lower blood sugar. <laughs> you would give them some medication to allow them to have lower blood sugar, right? And, and, and so that, that's the kind of practice and the kind of 
I almost said theology, but the, the, the kind of theory that, that he's working from is like people that have these issues, this is a, it's, it's not a, it, it, it's not a moral issue. It's a chemistry issue. And I tell you what, more people die from abstinence uh, recovery. Well, a lot of people die. Almost nobody dies from, from medically based uh, recovery. Uh, and the two uh, work hand in hand. I mean, not the abstinence part, obviously, but like, you know, and uh, I don't, if we could just say real quick, I mean, a lot of this is condensed in a YouTube series that I produced with him called Ending Addiction. Yes. So if I could just plug that super quick, if you go to For YouTube. Sure. No, absolutely. Yeah, because there is a lot of revolutionary information in there. And, you know, there's, there's reasons that AA can work for you a, a spiritual sort of cortical uh environment like that can possibly work for you but also so can some medication because at the end of the day it's a brain biology you know it's an illness of the brain yes. so it's like you you have to fix something in your brain and you have to fix something that's very deep in your mammalian brain that you mm -hmm. can't just think your way out of you couldn't yeah. you couldn't think your you couldn't cut your arm and think the wound closed. You'd have to like put bandages and neosporin on it, you know, and then you would right. also have to use your common sense to say like, I'm not going to go like do rigorous work while this heals. So right. yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a very holistic approach because at the end of the day, it's not about being pure or like, are you abstinent? Or are you not? It's like, are you living a life like that's, that's happy. You're like, are you happy? And are the people around you happy? And are you happy with the people around you? And are you like living in the world? You know? Well, as long as I know, this is, I've always lived this way is, is as long as there's someone in the world that's unhappy, I can't be happy. <laughs> Manny is a true humanitarian, yeah. like, yeah. like uh, Howard Wetzman. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I can never be happy because I, I know there's somebody out there who's not happy. Uh, so, so now when I was doing research, just to pivot again, Manny, you see how pivot. I worked that out? Yeah, we're mm -hmm. pivoting. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was, Dan Fox, and there's not a lot about you online, surprisingly, mm. you know, for someone for such a multidisciplinarian as yourself, you know, but I did come across this thing. And I was like, I wonder if this is the same Dan Fox, which is not the most common name. It's also not the least common name. Mm -hmm. Um were you or were you not uh, uh, living with uh, someone who was arrested as a, a Chinese spy? Yeah, that did happen. We can talk about that, but uh, that's not like a joke to me. That like somebody that I really like love and respect and was like a true dear friend to me got caught up in some horrible shit. And, okay, and, no, we're not a joke, man. But we can talk about it. I mean, that yes, that was me. Yes, if you if that did happen in my life. So, what would you like to know about that? I don't know. So, the story that was reported was that you were supposed to be picked up from the airport, and in fact, your ride didn't come because she had been arrested, and yeah. they interviewed you. So, so you tell us the backstory of that, or the the story. So after long that. long story medium. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I was living, you know, with my partner at the time we had a house and to make 
you know, to sort of make help make the bills, we got like a roommate, you know, like somebody who we had an extra like guest room with like an extra bathroom. So it was like, let's, you know, let's get a roommate. Somebody can help us like pay the mortgage, right? Pretty mm -hmm. standard thing. Sure. And through some connections, we found this young lady uh, named Katie. She was a Chinese national um, and she was our roommate and she like became like our friend and like you know i mean it was like a very uh you know it was what do you call it a um it was, it was a symbiotic it was like, yeah symbiotic it's like she would cook dinner for us like she would cook like authentic chinese dinners for us she would watch our dogs you know like like you know we'd go out of town and like she'd hang out with the dogs and she always paid her rent on time and cash, you know, which is great. You know, it's sure. like no complaints. Like yeah, she just, yeah, yeah. and the other funny thing about her was like, you know, I was, I was in a band and like, we'd go to shows and stuff and like, she, we'd always like bring her along, you know, it was like mm -hmm. great. Like she was just like a perfectly fun person, yeah. fun person, joyous, you know, bubbly yeah. just. Um, and so, you know, it turns out that, you know, she was involved with some guy who was like a double citizen Chinese American national, right? Uh, who was trying to buy defense contracts or something. He was just trying, you know, he was a spy. He was, oh, he, he was, was a not spy. a very good one because he got right. busted. They were sure. trying to, you know, it's like one of those things where like they were trying to wine and dine a defense contractor in Las Vegas. I don't know, or, or they were getting wined and dined. Just kind of, it's like one of those things you read and you're like this is not like arch criminal. Like this is not mastermind work. Keystone cops. Like, this is like sloppy business, whatever. And, you know, she was the cutout. So basically like, you know, it's like if you and I are in cahoots and then we get somebody like, I don't know, Manny, you were like, okay, Manny, I'm going to tell you something. And then you're going to tell Renee that way me and Renee aren't connected. And like, you know, you're the cutout. So, okay. um, she was the cutout, but, uh, it's more complicated than that. And, uh, and then she got, you know, and so, yeah, so being a good roommate, she was going to pick us up from the airport. Uh, and then she wasn't there, which was like super weird because she was like extremely dependable. Couldn't get her on the phone. It was very odd. Got the call from the restricted number. They were like, yeah, this person is, in our custody so i was like well you better come get us then because we don't oh, really you asked for 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 a, a ride from uh, the fbi and i got it oh, <laughs> okay well they came and picked us up i mean what you know, they, they bring you home or they bring you to the headquarters yeah, yeah it's often a a, a minus uh, you know picked up by the fbi the thing about the fbi is like it's not it's more the villainy is in the how mundane and how they didn't like put us in a room with a swinging light bulb. You know, it's like they picked us up. They told us what happened. And the thing is, is like they're the FBI. So when the FBI asks you a question, it's like they know the answer. They just want to know what your answer is. Right. And it turns yeah. out that like they had basically been in our house and like they had like, I mean, it's it's actually pretty fucked up because in a, after something like that happens, you wonder like, well, who is that? who was that person that like moved in two doors down that was just like around, you know, or yeah. like, Oh, okay. Who is the person talking to us at the dog park? You right. know? Um, so, you know, 
the thing is, Katie, she did her time. I mean, even the judge was like, oh, you got screwed in this. Like, you're kind of a, you're kind of a, it, it's, it's a oh, long she, story. It's a complicated story. She got caught story. up in it, though. She, she was, she, did she do her time here? No, she did her time in Tallahassee in a, in a minimum security prison. And I, I visited her a couple times and she was like really nice. I mean, it was like, you know, the thing is like, it's very inspiring to me because like, she, you know, like I said, she was a very like bubbly and positive and like warm person. And like even visiting her in prison, it's like they didn't take any of that away from her. And then yeah. of course she got, you know, after she did her time, she went back to China, but long story short, she's got like a family now. And, and like her, she's like, we stay in touch, you know, like I said, like, she's somebody like I actually like care a great deal about. And like, you know, we, we communicate every once in a while. And it, it was like a really unfortunate situation for her, but at the same time, like it's inspiring because of all the shit that she went through. And I'm like, I can't even really get into like the whole story, but like, the sure. fact that she like persevered and kind of was able to like start her life over again and now has like these really cute kids and like this husband that seems like he's a good dude and like she's like living her life and stuff it, it's great you know it's like well what happened to that guy though did you go back to china is he alive oh i i don't know i mean i'm he's in a worker camp I don't really care, to be honest. Yeah, fuck I mean, that guy, man. Yeah, no, we're talking about the the indomitable nature of the human spirit here. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so I don't wow, know what, what happened. Well, it, when I brought this up, I had no idea we were going to hear all that, <laughs> but I'm so glad I did. And I don't mean to joke about it, but, you know, it's it's very no, interesting. No, it's okay, because, I mean, I, it's fun. I mean, I get it. You know, it's like that – it well, comes up every once in a while. Uh, so – you know, my life's an open book, but at the same time, oh, yeah. I, I always do feel the need to like make a point that like there was a human being involved in that, and like, oh fuck yes, you know, oh, yeah. she went no, through no. some shit. I'm not even. I'm not even talking about myself. I'm talking about Katie. You know, she no, went through no, some I know. shit. No, she did time. No, yeah. a day in prison is is a long time. You know? Came through the other end, and it's like she's like an inspiration to me, and like somebody that is like, like I said, is very important to me. So right on, man. Yeah. you're a very sensitive soul, Dan. That's one thing wow. I, I, I can see from your writing and even from talking to you here, you know, um, you know, if I can just pivot again, in a very kind of callous way, um, Ray Nagin is out of prison. <laughs> yeah. Our, I was happy about there. that on a gut level. I, I, you okay. know, and he's $10 million richer a day. How so? That, he he's he had that money put away. He went to jail knowing that he was. Remember a few about five shows ago, I asked you, would you go to prison for five years and get ten million dollars when you get out? And I he's said no. Ten million, ten million dollars. No, he only he was put in jail for 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 uh, the, his graft was so small. That's the thing. It was like no 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 no. He's getting a big payday. Okay. He's getting a huge payday like all these guys did just for doing six years at a minimum security prison. Well, well that's seven, but in a, in a, that was a depressing thing about him getting in trouble. Cause it's not, again, it's like, he wasn't like some mastermind. It's like, he wasn't even the top guy in that, you know, right. you know, the thing about Negan is it's like, it's like that bad 
boy ex-boyfriend ex-girlfriend and it, but it's like he was around during katrina and i and i remember I, it's like i would see him on magazine street and he always was like yo what's up you know and you'd be like what's up you know and it's just stupid right. it's such a stupid visceral thing and like the the sort of like progressive in me is like yeah he was probably just like your classic neoliberal selling out the city left and right you know yes. politician yeah. of course he was but but he was also like there with us during Katrina and stuff. And so it's like, just on that gut level, you're like, oh yeah, my man, Ray, like <laughs> my man, Ray getting out of prison. Good for him, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. It's just a weird like thing that, that kind of uh, overrides the intellectual part. It's New brain. Orleans, Dan. It's, it's that, you know, we, we want to, uh, we want to point the finger at each other at the same time. We want to lift each other up. You know, it's, I guess it's, just, uh, I guess, yeah, I don't understand that at all, but <laughs> okay. And just him losing his mind <laughs> I, I, with yeah, the rest of us, like him losing his mind on the radio, like, like yeah, kind of yeah. being that voice of new Orleans. Cause we were all like in that mindset, like, Oh my God. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No. And it's like, is that what you want in a leader? I don't know. It just kind of, again, it's just one of those, like, it just puts you back in that time. Like, cause you know, honestly, it's like, you kind of forget about Ray Nagin, you know, he went away. We've had, we're, we're on our second mayor after him, you know? Right. So it's like, but now it's like, Oh yeah. And then also with the pandemic and there, that brings up like, it's very much like, like Katrina. We've had a 15 year head start on the apocalypse. Oh, holy cow. So Dan, what's on the future for what's on the horizon for anti-gravity magazine? Well, we're kind of doing the thing we've always done, which is to be kind of stupid and naive and just try to put out a really good product and publication and hope that like the advertising and the revenue kind of catches up. So, yes. um, I mean, it's like working on the June issue and you know, can we put out a good June issue? Let's do that. And then like, let's see what happens after that. <laughs> right. Like the Trouble Man podcast, where it's same same kind of theory. You know, I, I got to give uh, kudos to Joe Cabral, uh, my my uh, bandmate in uh, in the Iguanas. And early on, he said, "You know who you should, you should get is is Dan from Anti Gravity." Oh, that's nice. And I was I, like, oh, that, "That's a really good idea." I wanted to tell you a funny iguana story because okay. I, I don't know if it's you. I don't know if it was you that I talked to, but can I like tell this funny story real quick? Yeah, please go ahead. Um, so when I was with Hooray for the Riff Raff, uh, you know, we crossed paths with the iguanas. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. It's it was one of those like Northeast collegey kind of festivaly kind of things. Right. Yeah, yeah. And no, it was me because that's when I first met you. Is we were standing next to each other at the merch table. Okay. You were you were you were the tour manager for Hooray for the Riff Raff in like 2014, 2015, and we were out there playing some similar festival yeah. dates. And, and I I handled uh, the merch for the iguanas. So you and I are there. I'm like, hey man, what's your name? <laughs> and you said Daniel. I said, oh, that's my son's name. I like you already. That's that's so. Do you, I don't know if you remember this, but I I asked somebody in the iguana the iguanas, and, and I was like, so do you guys have a tour manager? And you were very somebody was very nice in their response, but the response was basically like, no we're adults who can answer emails and phone calls. So we don't have a tour manager. That and was I just me. Thought that was oh, yeah. super hilarious. Cause yeah, it's no. true. It's <laughs> it like, is true. A tour manager is a thing that exists and with good reason, but it's like, 
if somebody in your band could just wrap their head around answering an email occasionally, you could probably do away with a tour manager. So here's the thing that I, I didn't like about having a tour manager with, with a was band. Was that you who said that? Uh, that was you know, me you for remember? sure. Absolutely. I fucking absolutely remember saying that to you. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> because it has an infantilizing uh, effect on the band. So mm. you can take a group of adults who are, are used to uh, setting their own alarm clocks and uh, showing up on time and, you know, meeting all expectations. And then you say, oh, well, we have this other person who we're paying to do all of that. <laughs> and they will call you and tell you when you have to leave your room. You go, oh, mm. okay. Now, you would think you don't need that after like fucking five days, people won't leave their room until that person has called them two or three times. And it's like, I hate this. I hate the, what it does to a band where, because everybody becomes very fractured. They, mm. they all start looking to the daddy, which is you. It's not the real daddy. It's like the step daddy. <laughs> And I don't, you're not my daddy. I don't have to listen to you, but I will wait for you to tell me what to do. And it's, it's again, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic about, about people and, and how, you know, expectations, meeting expectations. But I think that you guys are the exception because I have this theory about musicians that like, a really good guitar player, like take somebody who just smokes at guitar, right? They're just like so good. And like that part of their brain where like they can just play a wicked solo mm -hmm. is the part of their brain where in another person, it would be like, that's the part that can balance a checkbook. Or, you know, that's the part that can like read a calendar. And instead of like being able to do those things, like that's the part of a musician's brain where they can like play a solo that like somebody else couldn't play. So, you know, I agree with you. It's like tour managing is not like some like science that only certain people can do. But at the same time, like I've been around enough musicians to know that it's a position that probably does have to be filled most of the time, more um, often than not. Okay. Well, you know, for, for all the tour managers out there, I'll say yes. Although I don't think that's true. Um, but I, but you were right. I just wanted to, I, I just love that story because nothing that you said was like untrue. It's like, yeah, you, you, you could do it yourself, you know? Well, and it's actually healthy to do it for yourself. Now, let me just, you know, we're, we're coming to the close of the podcast, but how did you wind up with that job? I'm curious about that. Cause again, you are a multidisciplinarian. Uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's kind of a funny story. Um, I, I was like, I was super enamored with the band Shovels and Rope, you know, like they came through New Orleans a bunch of times okay, and they, sure, they, yeah. they kind of like set off a, like a big love bomb in New Orleans where like everyone was, I mean, they, they had a period where they were just like, just blowing people's minds. And so, and Hooray was hooked up with them and I knew their manager at the time, Andy Beiser, right? Like sure. that's probably yeah. somebody you should have on the podcast. <laughs> Andy would be a great guest. No, I know a yeah. lot about Andy. No, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like Andy, because and the thing is, I first I knew that Hooray was gonna go on tour with Shovels and Rope for two weeks. So I was like, Andy, if Hooray needs like somebody to drive the van 
or like what sell merch or whatever like i'll just do, i'll do it like i just want to go on tour and like see shovels and rope every night and like i'll i'm, I'm okay. a good like i'm a responsible person you know i'll i'll like i'll help you know okay. and he was like no we got it covered cool thanks you know but it's, it's all good so i forgot about it and then i got a text message on a like early on like a saturday morning and and it was something like or no it was like it was whatever it's like a couple of days he's like Hooray's going to South by Southwest in a couple of days and they need like somebody to drive them. And I was like, I'll do it. And I spent a weekend with them in Austin and, uh, you know, I, I drove and I sold merch and I kept my mouth shut, you know, and I was like, you know, and, and they were like, you want to be our tour manager? And I was like, fuck yeah. And I did it. And it was like, awesome. You know, what a great band they had at that time. Casey McAllister. I fucking uh, love that guy. That was my roommate. What a fucking great guy. Can you oh, find a, a more talented uh, or sweeter person than Casey McAllister? I mean, just watching him play, you know, every night, it was just like, I mean, he's like, he's like Dr. John. Like, it's like hanging out with Dr. John, but with, you know, he's, he, he was like, a, not, you know, all, all the good musical parts, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he won't rob you. Um, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> great, great piano player great guitar player too really fucking yeah. tasty guitar him on the podcast. great graphic oh. designer you know now he's like doing all kind of soundtrack work and yeah yes yeah no i would love that's a great a great uh, idea man he's gonna fucking he did go the, in the book. Um, he did the ending addiction intro theme that's casey right on i love that guy man yeah so uh wow i think we've wrapped we've tied up all these loose ends <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, man. I feel it's old. New Orleans, baby. <laughs> yep. Well, Manny, uh, you have any uh, any closing thoughts? Any burning desires, as they used to say in the program? No, I, I think we've covered everything. Manny, well, I'm sorry we didn't get you in 2006. I, I thought we did like Andy Gravity did like a mayor mayoral like survey, and, yeah, uh, which Ray Nagin did not answer, but everyone else did, like even Mitch Landrew and. Rob Kuig and like, you know, like that crazy mayoral election. I, I thought we had you on that, but we didn't. I apologize. That's uh, okay. I probably, you know, I was a staff of one. So it was very yeah. hard for me to reach out to everybody because everyone wants, you become very popular when you become a candidate. Every organization wants to know what you feel about this yeah, well, and that and stuff. And when you're a staff of one, it's very hard to respond to all of them. Yeah, right. I can I can appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, you know. Well, Dan, fortunately, uh, that wasn't your last bite of the apple because, uh, you know, Manny will be, uh, you know, he is the future <laughs> mayor of New Orleans. So the only way you can become the future mayor of New Orleans is to run again. So yeah. Yeah. I we'll hope sure uh, you know, on the voting guide. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, well, for sure when the next cycle comes up, which is uh, right around the corner. Um, yeah. If we have more elections after this, yeah. you know, we're uh. all fingers crossed. But, uh, uh, you know, yes, you, your last chance to get at Manny Chevrolet is, is not. Is uh, hopefully we'll be around and you'll be around and democracy will be around. I don't know. We'll see. Again, yeah, it's all one day at a time. It's the biggest 12 step program in the world. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Wow, Manny. I think we've got it, man. Thank yeah. You. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you. I appreciate y'all.
And you know, Dan, in the Troubled Nation, we always like to say, uh, trouble never ends. Uh, but the struggle continues. Good night, folks. No.